Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Yeah, sure, sure in the hell is. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Okay. I'd like to thank the people who continue to sponsor the podcast. Yes, thank you. If you feel moved <laughs> to do so, you can go to Spotify and uh, give us some money. And while you're there, you can also rate the podcast or on Apple Music. I feel like that's important. So I'm told. So you can just go and like give a star rating. Uh huh. You don't have to write like an actual review. You can just give the star rating. So if the spirit moves you to do that as well, we thank you kindly. Uh, <clears throat> moving on to a RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars Eight. Yeah. So you missed an episode because you were um, is indisposed. You were indisposed, but uh, you watched the last episode, which was the Fame Game Extravaganza. <laughs> Yeah. What'd you think about that? It happened. I mean, it was another thing, a parade of uh, increasingly empty gestures that I don't God. know that they mean anything whatsoever. But yes, that happened. So all of the eliminated queens had to come back and do like a talent. Uh, did any stick out to you? La uh, La Ree. La La Ree. James Mansfield did stick out. And... Uh, Jessica Wild. I would say those were the top three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they all did sort of lip syncs to like original songs. Poor uh, uh, Santa Monica, Beverly Hills. That poor thing. Culver City, Baldwin Hills. She just made I, it's Monica, Beverly Hills. It's right? Monica, Beverly Hills. I, would, Hills, I, yeah. I don't know why I, in my head it's Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, because those two uh, cities are abutted. Uh, but I don't know. She just makes me feel sad. She just doesn't have any charisma. She She's just, beautiful. She makes me feel like she should be the lead in a sad indie film about her life. <laughs> like looking yeah. at her, I'm just like, oh, you're just not going to get the top prize. I don't know. Yeah, she lip sang to an original song that was very dry. And she had no energy to her. She had little energy. The audio was also strange. It was very strange, yeah. Nisha Lopez did a flamenco dance that was so... It was very like nursing home. I didn't need it. <laughs> I didn't need it. Like, I don't want to throw my back out or also, hurt, hurt my plantar fasciitis. Also walking out there as a, in her boy form with uh, that facial hair that made me think of Alan Arkin playing that uh, Puerto Rican. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Mrs. Kasha Davis did like, she did a lip sync, but it was to a song that was more like an uplifting protest social, social a social protest song um i received emails about requesting to interview her for the release of this song yeah which would have been very uncomfortable yeah i can only imagine you trying to interview her about that song oh no that would have been that would have been a a, a burning hotel fire this way <laughs> darian lake did stand up which i thought was funny she and, looks great yeah like her makeup skills that and, bitch can paint yeah she looks really good Kahana Montrese did like a, cause I guess her background is in cheerleading. Mm -hmm. So she did like an original song with like a cheerleading routine that I thought was cute. It was cute. She likes those wigs that make her look like a, 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 a like a Japanese ghost. Well, she seems obsessed with very long straight hair, which mm -hmm. proves to be cumbersome every time she wears it. So well, I, don't, I don't know. But. It's cumbersome because she, she can move, she moves. Yeah, she's a mover, uh, but obviously she's on uh, the Las Vegas stage on a regular basis because she's in that RuPaul's Drag Race Live 
show. So she's definitely like comfortable on stage. Alexis Michelle did live singing. She can sing. Yeah. It's not my cup of tea, but she did like a burlesque performance talking about apples that I thought was a little dry. An homage to Gypsy. Jimbo didn't Jimbo and Candy Muse are in the top two. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have and they weren't expected to compete, but they were allowed to perform. So Jimbo did like a strip tease while making a banana split Sunday, which was with amusing his body basically yeah and then candy muse this one was really weird because candy muse lip sang to an original song but like someone else was singing it yep as if they were her yeah and then it was her voice that like on the chorus i guess yeah i thought that was really strange it's very strange also i find it strange that yeah you have yet i've watched a whole nother series where i've had to withstand candy muse uh i i don't know what the rule world is coming to. I just, that she is in the top two again? Oh no. Moving on. Do you remember back in 2015 that picture of the blue and black dress and people were like, is it white and gold or blue and oh, black? yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. So the, so the, the man, the woman who posted that picture, she's the mother-in-law of this man, Keir Johnston from Scotland. He was recently um, charged with trying to kill his wife, but so the 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 son-in-law of the lady that posted that picture, yeah, is uh, has been charged with trying to kill his wife, which you know is very, I guess, random and tangential. But what why I'm bringing it up, what I thought was interesting, is that he's being charged with attempted murder, not because of one incident, but because of an 11 year campaign of domestic violence, oh. which I thought was very interesting. Basically like highlighting all the times that he assaulted her that are on record. And they're saying that when you add it all together, this man was trying to kill his wife. Like his actions show that he's trying to like, I guess, fatally harm her. And so I thought that was very interesting. Hmm. Like, yeah, what, to me, that, that does make sense. Like if you're in an abusive relationship and this person keeps getting, you know, a slap on the wrist, can you add it all up? Like cumulatively, this person has been a monster to me and one could argue that they were trying to kill me. I mean, this is in another country, so maybe that's how the law is. But it caught my attention in that regard that he's being charged with attempted murder over, a, you know, the... Uh, culmination of like all of this abuse hmm interesting yeah okay we've talked about erewhon a lot so i thought we should do a review because we got to try a bunch of items sure so i want to know what you think about these uh, okay so first we tried um, a slice of their coconut cake this is some ten dollar like it's a little slice of cake for ten dollars what did you think of the coconut cake that was good i liked it okay then we also got the ten dollar slice of carrot cake that was oh just okay i make an infinitely better carrot cake myself but that's just me so i actually really liked the carrot cake oh okay mm -hmm. um it was very spicy yeah there and was... i didn't taste because sometimes it's like you can taste the fibrous carrot like you could taste the shredded carrots which isn't gross but it's like like it... my mom did some carrot shit a while back and it was very like it almost tasted like healthy breakfast bars. That was no good. Yeah. I didn't like that. 
But, I mean, it wasn't inedible, but it no, just wasn't but it wasn't dessert. No, it, it, yeah, it felt like it should have been dried out more and, and eaten as cereal. But yeah, but this <laughs> one, I actually preferred the carrot cake over the coconut cake. Oh, really? I, but, but I thought the coconut cake was delicious. Uh, if I went back and got it again, I would choose the carrot cake over the coconut. I think you're just abused because you're used to carrot cake with raisins and can never buy it because of that. Perhaps. I, I, I think what I liked the most was it almost tasted like you know, because our mom used to make spice cake, mm -hmm. and this kind of tasted more like that. I but, think that's that's my complaint, actually. Tasted, oh, you didn't like the spice? No, it's not like I didn't like it. I don't know that it felt like classic carrot cake to me, but... Yeah, I don't know that I love classic carrot cake, maybe. Oh, well, there you go. So, okay, uh, I, there's the rub. Okay, I tried, finally, the Haley Bieber smoothie. I did not have this. You didn't. So, um, the So, I thought that that was a joke. Like, it was a different smoothie that people are just called but no this lady has an item on the menu it's called the Haley bieber strawberry glaze it's almond milk dates it has like some vanilla collagen protein shit in it some sea moss coconut maple syrup hyaluronic i can't say that word hyaluronic acid of course there are strawberries in it avocado stevia um it was delicious oh okay it's 18 dollars uh, -huh. uh I don't know that I would pay $18 again for that. Or I didn't pay for it in the first place, but I don't know that I would pay $18. Okay. But it was very good. Would I pay like $10? Yes. I have a question. Does she do anything besides being the daughter of somebody somewhat notable and married to someone more notable? Well, we've talked about this before. It's, it's not easy being beautiful. Uh-huh. So that does take some work. No, I don't. No, I don't know what this lady that, does. That except should... being the child of a famous person and married to an even more famous person. I agree that it keeps, uh, it, it is work staying in shape and keeping yourself together mentally and physically, but we're talking about some basic minimum, uh, but, uh, but why she should have a, an expensive shake named after her. I well, mean, I'm assuming she has spent a lot of money at air She probably <laughs> grew up only eating at air. I mean, I don't know. Sure. I find it annoying that there's a shake named after her, but, Okay, we tried the chicken curry sandwich. Mm. That was a chop. Nope. $15 for this fruit and nut. So it's like a fruit and nut bread that was very dry. Too dry and doesn't work well as sandwich bread because it doesn't uh, move itself around the ingredients in the sandwich when your fingers are on it. Yeah, it's, it, 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 I didn't hate the bread, but it, it. I was expecting something more soft. Mm -hmm. And then the chicken curry, the, it was chicken curry salad so i think the flavor was okay and the chicken was fine but then it had those golden raisins and yep. you know i hate raisins yeah i do then we got the mad wrap so the mad wrap there are two versions these are 16 dollars sandwiches um but the version we had was the collard green wrap so there is no bread there's no tortilla it's actually one big ass collard green leaf that's folded into a wrap and then inside of the wrap is turkey breast, avocado, cannellini beans, kale, pumpkin seed, hemp seed, uh, <laughs> Dijon mustard, all that. I didn't like it at all because I think all you could taste was the collard, and the collard greens not cooked. So all you can, and the kale's raw. So all you taste is the raw collard green and kale, which I don't mind. I mean, I like greens and kale, but I think that's all you could taste. I liked it. I think it could have done with maybe a little more meat. I can agree with that criticism, but it tasted, I like collard greens a lot. 
and I, and kale i kale i like too but uh i don't know I, that just worked for me i think we had the chocolate chaga muffin you had some of that i had the tiniest little bit of that i didn't mind it it had like a cinnamon kick to it uh it was only five well five dollars i mean you know a muffin from vons is two dollars and it's bigger uh so do i think this is worth five dollars maybe three and then you didn't have it but i had the keto blueberry muffin i thought it was good uh i don't know that i would spend five dollars for it lastly we had the asian chicken salad that was an $18 pre-made sandwich. $17.50. Salad. $17.50. Um, that was the best thing, I think. That was good. That was the food items. Not worth that much. I yeah, it felt expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were checking out, the lady was like, Oh, do you want to sign up for the uh like reward? Some reward program. So I thought, oh, it's like every other grocery store, like, like Ralph's Ralph's yeah. or Vaughn's, where you just give your phone number and you collect points. So when she asked, you looked at me and I was like, sure. I was like, I don't want to talk to these people. So then she starts explaining it. And she knows uh, these employees probably know that this is some bullshit because the first thing she did is go, okay, well, we have two plans. And the minute she said plan and that there were options, I knew it wasn't free. Mm -hmm. But there's a plan that covers everything in the store. $200 a month. Or the plan that covers like just the like the, the, the prepaid, the prepared food. And I guess the difference is like a hundred versus $200. And I'm assuming that's per year. Is it per year? I, well, she didn't, the, the minute she said any dollar amount, I checked out, mm-hmm. it can't be per month, but maybe it could be with, I these, don't, prices. with these fools. So of course she said the price and then she goes, are you still interested in that? Hell and I said, no. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be lucky if I can't go walk into one of them once a year. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would, yeah. Well, the other, the only benefit to it is it's across the street from a place we like to eat. So I guess if I felt like I wanted dessert, maybe I would walk in there again. But yeah, the Haley Bieber, I mean, the only way I'd feel good about that is if it were like my breakfast. (laughs) Like I'm having the smoothie for breakfast. If she did something really heinous, would they rename the smoothie? They would take it off. And just rename it later. They'd change like they'd have to reformulate we, it. So we, it's, we, we put cardamom in it. So well, now or instead of coconut, instead of like almond milk, it's like oat milk, and then they just call it like the the Chloe K. The yeah, the strawberry oat glaze. <laughs> the oda, the odom oat glaze. Is there a famous um? Oh, what goes with oat? Goat. Oh no, the Quaker man. The Quaker, yeah. So maybe it'll be the Quaker glaze or something. Oh, oh you mean they don't uh, name it after somebody else that's... They change the base milk and then name it after something. Okay, we received a lot of comments um, pertaining to Sound of Freedom. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to review it. Um, I know you asked me about it. I don't remember. But you said I said I wasn't interested. At this point, we're not going to make a video for it. No. I'm not interested in paying to see it now. I guess if it came to streaming for mm-hmm. free, I would watch it and maybe we could talk about it on the podcast. But because people are saying it's like propaganda and I'm just. Oh, it, it sounds like propaganda. I don't know anything about you it. Do you what not, it's about? No. So I'm not interested in talking about. <laughs> I'm not also a, a Jim Caviezel fan so much. I do like Mira Sorvino. Uh, it, 
I'd rather we rewatch Mighty Aphrodite, but whatever. It also takes a lot of effort to talk about stories like Pretty Baby or anything that is like divisive. about sex trafficking. Just, I mean, just anything that's like a hot button issue. It takes a lot of energy to talk about it, and I don't always have that energy. <laughs> Talking about Pretty Baby was exhausting. It was. Well, just because it's like I I, I want to be very mindful and considerate, and I don't want to say the wrong thing out of just you know because that was a live video, and then. My defaults sure. try to be funny, like make a joke out of things. Mm -hmm. And some topics aren't funny. So it's like, well, how do I try to seem engaging while talking about something that's not funny? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Then there was a question. We got two questions about your favorite Bond films. You know what? I That is a kind of a blind spot for me. I've only seen a handful I've only seen the Daniel Craig ones. And then I remember with some old friends of ours, we we were at their place and we watched one, I recall, like a Pierce Brosnan one, maybe, in, Pla in Playa Vista. Uh, we did. I did recently watch... Because um, remember, they had the box set because one of them was really into it. Uh, I watched Goldeneye on my own. Uh... Which is the one with Halle Berry. Tomorrow never dies with the guy with the diamonds in his face. Didn't we watch that together? I have never seen the Halle Berry one. Oh, uh, or neither were Denise Richards' Christmas Jones. Uh, the world is not enough. Uh, I have seen all of the Daniel Craig ones except for Quantum of Solace. I've never watched. Wait, that. so that means I haven't watched it. I well, that came out before we met. So then, yeah, I didn't watch that. Okay, that's the one. Oh, so I haven't seen the first one. No. The first Quantum of Solace, I believe, is the second Daniel Craig. What's the movie. first one? Uh, the one that Martin Campbell directed with Ava Green, uh, Casino Royale. So I've seen Casino Royale. So I've seen the first one, but not the second one. Right. Wow. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, what's the Shirley Bassey singing Goldfinger? What the I've seen that. Oh, so you really can't name your top five then? Is it Doctor No? How many Bond films are there? Oh my God, there's thirty something at least. Really? Mm-hmm. Are you? Well, so we, so you weren't able to accurately um, provide. No, I would. No, I. I need. I have a lot of catching up to do. I haven't seen the Timothy Dalton one that he did. I don't really like Roger Moore. Uh, but Grace Jones is in. Uh, is it License to Kill? Well, she's Mayday. I've, well, I've always meant to. It just seems like there's never a good time. I'm never, I'm never in the mood to watch James Bond. I'm not interested in attempting to catch up with every James Bond movie. Um, I would, but I feel like they have to be spaced out because I think a lot of them blur together. I'd have to be paid to do that. <laughs> if someone wants to commission us to make videos for every James Bond movie, I would do it. But it wouldn't be cheap. Or what's the you know Kim Basinger was a Bond girl. I I'm out. I'm infinitely more interested in all the Bond girls. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, and the villains. And the villains. Because yes. I recall Javier Bardem being really fun. Well, because he's kind of gay. He's kind of a poofster. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Fall. Next, people want to know. Um, I, uh, our thoughts. I mean, probably really just your thoughts. Um, on the writer and actor strike. Oh, there were several questions. So I'm like putting them all together. Like, what do, and I guess, what do we think about the writers and actors strike? And if we think that'll affect the quality of 
film and TV moving forward. I, th- I think it will. I'm hoping there's a positive effect because there's just a lot of bullshit that <laughs> we in the quality of things. And I don't know if I, the the industry needs a. I think the inter- the industry needs a hard reset, but. Um, you know, it's just so shitty. We've left the writers guild out there for so long. And even after that strike, the directors guild, you know, uh, inked some very, uh, notable deal. There was that, uh, I saw some meme about from Titanic when Billy Zane thrust that grabs that child so he can get on a boat. That's kind of what the directors guild did. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they have, I hope that, it means we can make some progress and I think it'll set some important precedents because the world has changed uh, since the last time these bargaining units uh, put anything down in writing. So that needs to be considered and people need to be paid what they're worth and and paid for royalties. And the shit they're trying to do with AI is kind of scary. Well, I have strong feelings about employees banding together to get what they deserve. I feel like more people need to do that. I feel like all of these low wage workers who work in these neighborhoods they can't afford to live in, mm-hmm. they they need to go on strike. They, you know, if all of a sudden uh, West Hollywood and Beverly Hills didn't have low wage workers to basically provide all the services these people use, mm-hmm. things would change. So I'm very much uh, supportive of people banding together to advocate for themselves. I don't know much about um, the, the writer strike. I probably have more firsthand understanding of the actor strike because when I was doing hair and I would do a lot of actors hair mm-hmm. like, and they would talk about their pay. And I don't think people realize because writers, it's a little more amb- ambiguous and people like what, you know, this is why maybe transparency, transparency and people's salaries and wages should be uh, more visible because I think with actors, it's, you know, it sounds impressive to say like, oh, you're like a secondary lead in a, you know, maybe like a cable TV show or something. And so if you get paid like $8,000 an episode, that sounds like a lot of money, but that's maybe over the course of three months, you shoot 10 episodes, you get $8,000. So now you've made $80,000. That's probably your only gig for the year. So $80,000 is a decent salary for a year, but then you think you're responsible for taking care of your own taxes. You have to pay a manager. There are a lot of other, like a lot of that money comes out of, so what you're left with is not that much. Not that much, yep. And getting, let's just say you end up with 50,000 of earnings that you can use to live for a year. Getting 50,000 over the course of three months versus 12 months is very different, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you're not working and you're just sitting around, also these people have to maintain their appearance. So they're spending money on trainers and trying to eat right. And that shit is not cheap. No. And then they don't have benefits because you have to work a certain amount of hours. Yep. Same with the Writers Guild. You have to have written something in a certain period of time to retain health benefits. Mm Mm-hmm. But this is also a bigger issue because a lot of the, so, so then there's that, then it's like the industries have changed, right? Just like the music industry, when, like when digital happened and we were able to acquire music differently, people's money changed drastically, right? So Mm -hmm. nowadays people who have songs that get streamed millions of times 
only make tens of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. But you think an artist like a Madonna or Janet Jackson selling 10 million records, they made like $20 million. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, I mean, the money is very different now. So that had to change and it didn't change for the better. So I think that these actors and writers are smart to try to get ahead of the curve mm -hmm. with like what you mentioned, like this AI shit and forcing writers to sort of write in bulk. But then that goes to the consumer because the quality of a lot of this shit is horrible. It is. And these platforms are forced to just crank out shit. There's so much content that it, it's unrealistic to think that every person involved is getting paid a living wage, is being taken care of, you know, like getting paid enough to live from year to year, have benefits like health insurance and 401k. That's just not possible. So I think the quality is affected and and that might mean less things get made that yeah. might I, I don't know I'd... or we have to pay more for things like again yeah i don't know i think we need to get away from people just thinking that cinema and entertainment is frivolous and throwaway because i think that's the to me the driving force behind something like you know, Marvel and DC and all these comic book things, people have been trained to expect that there's just going to be more. There's just going to be a reset. They're just going to redo all this shit. And I'm going to go sit in front of a screen and immediately forget everything I saw just so I can have my eyes glazed over for two hours. So I, that, to do what? I don't know why. Like, why, why are we here watching this bullshit that we don't retain memory of or knowledge of that, that has no impact, no cultural impact? Well, I don't know if that's fair. People find it entertaining and everyone does shit that other people would say doesn't make sense. You're allowed to like it. I just, I'm the, I'm, I'm talking more like from a business model standpoint, I don't understand how these streaming platforms can sustain if, you know, membership has to be way up there, but then you have to keep cranking out content. So it's like fast fashion, you know, Netflix is like, Forever 21. It's it's ready to wear cinema. It's just crap shit that's being slapped together very quickly. Again, there is some stuff that does, you know, because, you know, even every a broken clock is right two times a day. So, you know, there there is some inevitable talent or uh, passion that comes across in some of these films. But inevitably, you get a lot of things that like where the special effects look the same. Everything kind of has this cheap sheen. Sure. But what I'm saying is that from like to take care of the employees when you have so many people working on projects there's no way that this business model can treat these people no what like fairly as far as compensation goes they're just too many like you know we're forced to if you want to watch the uh the after credit sequences you know say all these superhero movies I mean, I, I I think part of the purpose of that is for audiences to realize look at all of the hands that were on deck here. Like it's minutes, there's hundreds, thousands of names on some of these And I'm things. not saying that Netflix isn't making money. It's just that it's a business and they have to make a certain pro profit. They need to show growth. So, right, their earnings are very important. And no one's out here talking about, we wanna take all of our uh, profits and put them back into our employees. And I think that's the problem. It's like no one's investing in the people mm -hmm. and then people should get upset and people should 
strike in they should but again to go back to the consumer like all these people sharing uh netflix passwords pay for your own damn account then like you want netflix to have better material well i mean that's that's part of the give and take of this process is they need to make money to funnel it towards their projects but when you have all these people you know cheating the system and again this that goes back to quality of life and how we don't have people don't have quality of life. I don't know. So why wouldn't you cheat the system? I, it's just, yeah, I think there's a bigger problem. Yeah. It's just like this, this plat, these platforms, these streaming platforms, I don't think as a business model makes sense as far as quality of content and content creators, everyone involved being treated well, because, you know, I, I don't know how many subscribers any of these have, but it's like, if you have a few million subscribers, paying 10 20 a month that sounds like a lot of money but then like you said when you have thousands and thousands of people working on these projects it just i don't know how i mean we unless you have computers doing everything and that's why you see the quality of a lot of especially netflix stuff it's just like cookie cutter we, fast 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 we live in la there are many actors that i've met since we've lived here you know, like character actors, for instance, these people are renting or sharing uh, living spaces in, you know, Koreatown. Other place. Like it's, it's not a, a sustainable. It's not as glamorous. It's as, not glamorous at all. And and there are people who like are recognizable mm-hmm. who do not have, they're not living the life you would think, but we need to take a break. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's move on to films released we didn't cover. <laughs> uh-huh. There were comments about a film called A Fire. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know what that is. Well, you passed on. Anything that we didn't cover on these lists, you received the list, uh, dear listeners. That Joseph received the list. I can't watch everything. I, I didn't ask you to, but you receive, You have knowledge of what's coming, and you say what you'll agree to watch or not. Yeah. Okay, so you passed on a fire. Uh, it's the latest Christian Petzold film. There are some gay elements about it. Uh, I was very enthusiastic about seeing it. I saw it in, out in Berlin. It was in the uh, competition. I liked it, didn't love it. Uh, I think for once, it has a pretty good role for Paula Bier, who I guess has now replaced Nina Haas in Christian Petzold's lexicon. But uh it's okay. The The lead character is very unlikable. Um, but I would say it's worth a watch. I didn't love it enough to press it upon you that you should see this. Uh, we did cover Undina uh, <laughs> on the YouTube channel, speaking of Petzold. But he is a favorite of mine. I love Yella. Phoenix is, uh, Phoenix is phenomenal. Uh, Ghosts. Yeah. Uh, Christian Petzold is Anything he does is must-see to me. Next, Black Ice. Uh, This is a documentary about, guess what, Uh, another institution that's rife with racism, hockey, uh, (laughs) directed by Hubert Davis. I do remember 
looking at this, but I thought it would just, I, I wasn't in the mood to be upset. So I didn't want to watch it. And then Lakota Nation versus United States. Also a documentary. It's about the Lakota Nation's uh, attempts to reclaim control over the Black Hills. Uh, it's directed by Jesse Shortbull and Laura Tomaselli, I believe, making their uh, documentary debut. Uh, There's one more. Two tickets to Greece. I did watch this. Uh, I think Greenwich Entertainment's releasing it, and I was going to write for us for Fish Jelly on it, but I haven't. Maybe uh, I will do that today. Uh, Speaking of Greece, uh, on my Instagram, I see several people are who I follow on Instagram are in Greece now. Okay. So that's... I wonder if now is prime time for people to visit Greece. And maybe that's why this film came out. <laughs> uh, maybe it's a French film. It's from uh, Mark Fatusi, who I quite like. He's directed Isabelle Huppert uh, a couple times. Copacabana is kind of fun. Paris Follies is okay. Uh, oh, and he also directed a movie of Sandrine Kiberlain. I thought was really cute called Pauline Detective. But this film is about a pair of ladies, Olivia Cote and Laura Kalamni who are reunited. They were like junior high school friends and Olivia Cote has grown into be kind of like a Debbie Downer and her husband's left her for a younger woman and her teenage son who has just moved away to college is tired of her attitude. So constructs this reunion with this old friend of hers who she seemingly can't stand and circumstances bring them on this trip to Greece. And I actually thought it had some really touching moments about, uh, about growing older um, about friendships and uh, it has a nice little kooky role for Kristen Scott Thomas in there. Uh, projects of interest. I didn't have any. I had one. Uh, so Jamie Foxx and Colin Firth are producing a documentary on Luther Vandross. Okay. Which I'm excited about. Apparently production's underway. Um, I was trying to read about it. Sounds like, well, his estate is involved and it sounds like we might get it seems like it's going to mostly highlight how spectacular his career was. Like people may not realize how much writing he did for other artists. And I don't know how much it'll get into his personal life, but I also know there's like a biopic in the works as well, uh -huh. which would also excite me. I don't know anything about that, but yeah, I, I would love if we can get a morsel of his personal life because of course Luther Vandross was gay, but uh -huh. That was not part of his public persona while he was alive. You know, they're not they're, They would not dare make a film now and override that. I hope not, but you never know. They, they whoever, whoever makes that film and tries to uh, downplay that's going to be eviscerated. I could see his the documentary avoiding that, but I think if they're going to make a film, it's like, come on, he can't be this like neutered asexual person because <laughs> his public image was that he sang all these love songs. But then I think because he was like a fluffy guy mm -hmm. who was obviously very like soft and it, it was just one of the, I mean, it was very Barry Manilow, Liberace, like, oh, we don't really. We're just going to ignore we're this. We're just going to pretend that. Ricky Martin too. Like we're just ignoring. Well, Ricky Martin's a little more, I mean, he's obviously much more attractive than a lot of other, or like a George Michael. They were mm -hmm. attractive in that way. So I think that that allowed people to see them. Like, I, I love Luther's music. I don't know how many women found him like sexually attractive. What was that? <laughs> the, the, the background singers in Twenty Feet from Stardom were like, "There's Luther. He, there'd be Luther. He'd be 
uh, singing like an angel, sweating like a pig. <laughs> Poor thing. But yes. Anyway, moving on to films we watch for fun. The Gift. The Gift. Uh, after I watched The Dead Zone with my sister, we were inspired to watch this Sam Raimi film from the year 2000, which I probably haven't seen since then. And I had a very good... Uh, memories of liking this film and I, I have to say I, I don't know that it's quite aged well uh, but it's I, I haven't watched Kate Blanchett in kind of this uh, period this era of her career for a while and she, it's funny watching her look you know so young uh, but she's really good it was written by Billy Bob Thornton it's about a psychic who can who is tasked with finding this girl who's murdered who's really the town whore played by Katie Holmes um, Town whore. But whose daddy's daddy is rich, of course, and who she has a weird flirtation with too. And Gary Cole and Keanu Reeves is Keanu Reeves is not good at playing a redneck. I don't know what I, I don't know how good he is really at anything besides looking good. But he he can't. He, I don't know. Hillary Swank is kind of laughable as once again playing this white trash person. And uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Uh, anyway, that. I don't, it was just okay, but it's worth a watch. I do like Sam Raimi. Mm. Just a gigolo? This was terrible. Terrible. Um, I remember having to go out of my way circa 2004 to find a, a bootle bootleg copy of this uh, because, of course, I'm a Marlena Dietrich nut. Um, and I think I only the quality of the, the copy I had was so bad I never watched it. But some, sometime, I think in 2020 or somewhere, uh, someone put this out on Blu-ray. I think maybe somebody, Kino Lorber maybe. Uh, so I've had the Blu-ray sitting here forever and my sister likes David Bowie and we watched it. So it stars David Bowie, um, someone named Sidney Rome, who I'm not familiar with. And it's set uh, during World War One. David Bowie's a Prussian soldier and it, it he ends up uh, going back home with no skills, nothing to do and becomes as the the title suggests, which is named after a famous song, just a gigolo. And he starts working for this establishment run by Marlena Dietrich, who came out of a two decade long retirement. God knows why. I think she was promised that she could sing the title song. Uh, she, it was a, a very much a Berlin production, which makes no goddamn sense because it's in English. Everybody has accents. Sydney Rome is terrible. She was born in Ohio. David Bowie seems lost in it and is directed by and also starring David Hemmings and, and it, who's also trying to be this prototype for the Nazi party, like all wrapped up in one character. Um, Dietrich was in, was like self-exiled because she never after, uh, you know, she fled Berlin and never came back. And so she was in Paris and she would not leave Paris, so shot her scenes there. <laughs> so all of her, it, it, you can tell that it's edited in a way to, with her scenes with Bowie, because they're not actually in the room together. And everybody everybody that was involved with this movie hated it. I don't know. It's If you would like any of these people, it's worth a while. Oh, and then Kim Novak. Remember I sent you that screenshot of her because she looks like one of your old coworkers? Oh. Next, a Z and two knots. God, I love this movie. I, I love Peter Greenaway. And I, I haven't watched this in years and years and years. And it, I just got a, it was just put on a Blu-ray courtesy of Kino Lorber. And they sent me a copy. And I watched this with my sister. And it is a batshit crazy movie uh, that has so much symbolism 
and, and subtext ultimately that maybe don't really mean anything, but as a visual uh, experience, this is, this is it. I love it. It's my second favorite Greenaway film. The, the title means zoo, a, a, a Z and two O's is, is basically what, oh, what that means. Um, I think that you would be highly entertained by this uh, film as well. Uh, yeah, that's all. I, I'm supposed to write about it, but we'll see if I get there. Night games. Okay, so I'm supposed to write about this too because Criterion put out uh, a three-disc My Zetterling collection. And I had already spoken on the podcast, at least, of Loving Couples. I think her debut, she was a Swedish actress turned director, turned actress again. Uh, but this is Night Games. And it was 1966. And I, I read somewhere that John Waters considers this his favorite film. So I was like, oh, to my sister, I'm like, we, we need to watch this. And it does have a, a doozy of some things that I can see why John Waters loved this movie. I think I liked Loving Couples more uh, personally. But Ingrid Tulin as this, this wealthy, bitchy mother because it's about this man who's now an adult and he's kind of mm, he's kind of a ladies man that a, kind of a, is abusive but he brings his newest bride to be back to his palatial estate where he grew up and right away he's like oh i had an indescribably happy childhood anytime somebody says something like that it's like i know you lying and then uh there's a quick dissolve to him being a child so it's kind of a memory poem of a film so he's memorying all these situations with his mother and it's the it's very daring especially for 1966 i also read apparently shirley temple resigned from the uh san francisco film board because the film festival played this film there and she said it was pornography mm. there are things in this film i don't it, it, uh yeah it's it's really worth a watch i think if you like weird bizarre daring cinema in ingrid tulin uh watch it how to be a good wife i hated this movie um the 2020 release from Martin Provost, who I believe is Belgian. And I've, you know, I've never seen his big uh, coming, his breakout film was Seraphine, Seraphina with Yolanda Moreau, who's also in this film. Uh, yeah, it stars Juliette Binoche. It's set in uh, right as France is about to change drastically in the eve of May 1968. And it's about a, prim and proper lady played by Binoche who runs kind of like a girl's boarding school who teaches, who teaches young women to uh, be good wives. So, you know, keep them in their place and feel inferior. And then of course, with the, the political shakeup going on in the country is also a metaphor for things happening amongst the girls here, including uh, a young girl discovering her lesbianism played by the lead of um, that Audrey Dewan film, the abortion movie happening. Uh, Yolanda Moreau is also in it. Uh, Noemi Lvovsky, Lev who I also quite like, is in it. Uh, ultimately, I didn't. I just really didn't like it. Wild style. Uh, this is essentially the first narrative feature about hip hop. Uh, released in 1982, directed by Charlie Ahern. Uh, it's centered on the story of a graffiti artist who is, uh, I think, hired to paint for a, a, an upcoming concert. But there are so many uh, interesting things in this and people in this movie that are, are of the period. Uh, and of course, it, it 
was released just prior to Stan Lathan's Beat Street, uh, but you know, which you watched with me a couple weeks ago, and this is in relation to uh, an, an article I've been commissioned to write. So I'll save saying more about it because I'll be writing about it. Crush Groove. Same goes with Crush Groove. Crush Groove I like. Crush Groove I think is a lot of fun. It's, that's technically the first uh, hip-hop musical, and it's loosely based on the life of Russell Simmons, who's played by Blair Underwood. Uh, Sheila E., I think, is a lot of fun in this. Uh, the soundtrack, I think, is is great. Uh, directed by Michael Schultz. I think this is before The Last Dragon, obviously after Cooley High. Uh, I, I, I like Michael Schultz. I think he's a lot of fun. You know, there's a big difference... I had watched Rappin' with uh, Mario Van Peebles recently. And I, I want to say that Rappin' is really ripping off Crush Groove, including even a, there's a scene of, I, I, did you see it on my Instagram where they're rapping about eating at, a, at the Sparrow's Buffet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a scene where that's very similar in rapping that is really bad. And it's just funny how charming I think crush groove is because it's from within the culture instead of somebody trying to capitalize upon the culture but anyway brooklyn babylon uh this is this is kind of like west side story which of course romeo and juliet meets jungle fever it's about a rastafarian rapper that falls in love with a jewish girl and of course they're their communities do not get along uh and it, it's also kind of conjuring uh the the issues that were going on several years prior in crown heights uh this is uh, the film was released in 2001 um it's worth a watch perpetrator um this was an outfest film i saw friday nights directed by jennifer reeder whose first film i liked well enough uh knives plus skin which I could rewatch. I'd say that's worth watching. This was in Berlin and I kept, I missed all the screenings of it. And then the buzz about it was, I was, I was fine missing it. Um, so, but it played it, uh, you know, at Outfest at the Red Cat Theater and Jennifer Reeder was there. I felt bad because, you know, the, the actress strike just happened and her cast couldn't be with her. And, uh, Roxanne, Roxanne. Um, I'm okay. Well, we're running out of time. Anyway, I didn't like Perpetrator. Okay. Uh, I think there's some interesting ideas. Alicia Silverstone is giving a, a camp performance that's worth watching, but it just it just does not gel together for me. Um, Roxanne Roxanne is the it's kind of a biopic about uh, rapper Roxanne Chante. Have you heard of her? No. Oh, okay. This movie is really worth watching. It was released on Netflix in 2018. It's directed by Michael Larnell. Uh, great lead performance from Shante Adams, uh, Mahershala Ali. Shante Adams looked, Nia Long plays her mama. Uh, and she kind of looks like she could be Nia Long's girl. Um, but it, you know, has a lot of depressing things going on in there. But uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Things to do in Denver when you're dead. Oh my God. This movie, is it Gary Flater's? Is that his name debut right before he did kiss the girls, which I also didn't like. Um, this has a fantastic cast led by Andy Garcia and you got Christopher Walken and Steve Buscemi and uh, Feruza Balk and uh, Jack Warden. I'm forget. Oh, treat Williams, a whole other bunch of principles in there that are interesting, but this feels very much like one of those scripts that was greenlit after the success of Pulp Fiction. That's trying to capitalize on these, uh, 
uh, nefarious characters with lots of intersecting storylines, but none of them are, none of them I think in this are really that interesting. I hated Gabrielle Anwar and this fucking romance she's supposed to have with Andy Garcia. It's just so stupid. I was, I remember my dad bitching about this movie, renting it. I did not like this movie. Lastly, Munchie. And you stayed up with me last night to watch Munchie, which the Mystery Science Theater treatment of it, uh, directed by Jim Wynorski, who, besides the Munchie films, directed like R-rated erotic dramas. Not good. Ooh, it's, it's pretty bad. It's about a young boy who... Uh, what is wandering? He's he, he's wandering around in like some abandoned area and finds a, a box that speaks to him, saying, "Please let me out." And this he's the boy says, "Okay, you can come out of this box." And it's uh, well, the problem with this movie is the director is known for making softcore porn. Mm-hmm. Number one, number two. So so this movie that you would think is for children has this like Skinamax vibe to it. Then. The main character, this like little creature, is voiced by a middle-aged man, Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise, yeah. And the doll is so creepy. I don't know if he, it looked, you know, I kept thinking it looked like Ice-T, but it's because I think in my mind's eye, I'm thinking that character Ice-T voiced in Space Truckers. I thought it looked like the comedian George Wallace, but. Oh, God. Uh, oh, it's so creepy. And then the way it holds its hands mm-hmm. and fingers and the way it uses like, oh. Apparently it does the boy's bidding. It's very, there's a lot of innuendo. I don't know if it's intentional. Like it, there's so. Well, uh, Munchie is creepy. And apparently I think the script forgot that one of the ticks of Munchie is that he likes to eat. Cause every now and then they talk about food, but it's very sparingly. And then the boy's mother is played by Lonnie Anderson. We just watched something where I said that the character, oh, Sigourney is in a movie where she's a Ghostbusters Ghostbusters 2 where it's like she couldn't be less motherly. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lonnie Anderson might beat her because she just seems so <laughs> unconcerned about her son. Um, and this is also the debut of Jennifer Love Hewitt, who is credited as Love Hewitt. Who all she does in this movie is give a creepy, like she keeps smiling creepily. Yeah, she's Ugh. the object of the main boy's attention. The main boy made me so uncomfortable. He reminded me of Millie Bobby Brown. And the writing is, it feels like, it's, like a 50-year-old gay man wrote the dialogue for all the kids and the bullies in high school. One of the kids seems gay, like the bully, and then his best friend is like the star quarterback who speaks like he's going to give a speech at the British Parliament. Like, I don't know. I don't know why they're talking this way. It's it's so stupid. I mean, you could, I feel like you couldn't watch this film without the Mystery Science Theater track. No. Well, thankfully, there are no entries in the obituary section, so we'll take a quick break. Today's secret movie was, I mean, I think it should have been your choice. I don't know. We got a little flubbed up Mm -hmm. because we had to do something different last week. But yesterday was Jackie Washington Day. So in honor of that, um, the movie we watched was Jackie's Back. Mm -hmm. Directed by the legendary Robert Townsend. And this is the second Townsend film we've uh, featured on the podcast. The first is... Carmen Hip Hopra, which is not uh, a good representation of, of, his, of his work, but um, I love Hollywood Shuffle, which is now in the Criterion Collection. Uh, we're also big fans here of Holiday Heart, which will definitely definitely be a selection come the holiday time. But Jackie's Back is a 1999 television 
movie. It was made for Lifetime. My God. Uh, straight out the gate, this is a five out of five for me. This, this is my kind of movie. It's funny. The The cast list is out. I mean, I don't think a movie has a more impressive cast list. It is insane, the number of people in this movie. But let's talk about how we came to know this movie because I remember going to like Blockbuster Hollywood video and seeing the cover of this movie, but not really knowing who Jennifer Lewis was. So I, I don't think she, I mean, I'm sure I would have recognized her from other films because she had quite a career prior to this movie, but not enough that I would have thought I need to watch it. So I think the first time I watched it was with you. Yeah. And I don't know what prompted us to do so. Well, I bought it uh, because I, I had written something with her in mind, if you remember, like a decade ago. Oh, sure. And I had showed that script to somebody and they said, oh, uh, Jennifer, like, yeah, I could see Jennifer Lewis in this role. Have you ever seen Jackie's back? I'm like, you know, I haven't. And that was what prompted me to buy the DVD. So the... The basic story, a British documentarian profiles a washed up diva as she prepares for her comeback concert. So the British documentarian is played by Tim Curry and the washed up diva is Jennifer Lewis. Mm -hmm. Um, I wanted to read the opening of the film is Tim Curry as this documentarian named Edward Watsit St. John. (laughs) But the opening of the movie is him like introducing us to his subject. When I was first approached to make a documentary about Jackie Washington, I thought they meant the legendary baseball player who famously broke the color barrier. (laughs) Once I was set straight, I was compelled to ask, who is Jackie Washington precisely? Who is she? Former child star, pop diva, down and out boozing has been. Those are the accepted preconceived notions. Join us for this no holds barred in-depth portrait of the woman the French call La Washington. And then... The song we get, so like the theme song is Jackie's Back. And I think it's so funny because it's basically saying like, I don't know where she's been. I don't know where she's at. All I know is Jackie's Back. (laughs) And then it just keeps going like, um, I don't know if she's right. I don't know if she's wrong. I don't know if she's back. I don't know if she's lost. I don't know if she's found. I don't know if she's high or low. Um, But yeah, the story is very simple. We're just following for a period of time, Jackie Washington. In the, I guess, days leading up to her comeback, which is the one night only concert in Hollywood. That does not go well. Nope. So yeah, I mean, basically we follow her. She's She is delusional, but basically she was a child star in the 60s and then was a pop diva in the 70s. And then her career fell apart after some bad marriages and problems with drugs and alcohol and money problems and money problems. So now it's just her. She has two children, but her one daughter Entendra, who's played by TV Blake, she serves as Jackie's assistant. So we, so everywhere Jackie is, there's Entendra uh, at her beck and call looking like a Maori sister, but Jackie has another daughter Shaniqua played by Tangie Ambrose, and they are estranged because Shaniqua feels like all her mother ever cared about was herself. So, um, yeah, we just see her trying to convince Tim Curry that she's something special. Mm -hmm. And Tim Curry is so funny in this movie because he is so unimpressed by her. And he keeps, he's so shady with her, like calling out all her bullshit. 
But the end of the movie is this final performance and it does not go well because, of course, Jackie's on her bullshit. No one's been paid. So everyone who's part of this concert, including the the venue, they all say we're not doing this. So they basically run her out of the venue and she's like running, trying to escape the mob of people who want to like, they're upset with her. The crew, the audience, everyone. So she gets backed into a corner in an alley. And then she sort of has her final monologue where she explains herself and she has an epiphany that maybe she should have cared more about her family and less about other things. And then she sings um, a song and then it would seem that she's back on track. Mm -hmm. Well, she sings a couple songs, like her greatest. Yeah. Her big hit from when she was a little girl is called yield, yield, yield. (laughs) It's supposed to be like a play on the Supreme stop. In the name of love. Yield, yield, yield. Um, but she, uh, and then we find out that she and Tim Curry get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we find out that her daughter, Entendre, becomes an entertainment manager. And two of her clients are Tito and Latoya Jackson. Her daughter, her estranged daughter, Shaniqua, is now back in her life. It's and taking... Shaniqua's teaching anger management mm-hmm. courses. <laughs> but let's go through. The cast is so impressive. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Jennifer Lewis, Tim Curry, Whoopi Goldberg Playing plays her sister. her sister. Loretta Devine plays her, like, best friend. Mm-hmm. Snooki. Tom Arnold, Julie Haggerty, mm-hmm. David Hyde Pierce, Kathy Jimmy, Kyla Pratt plays the younger version of Jennifer Lewis's character. Rudy Ray Moore, who people know as Dolomite, he's in the movie. Well, because... Um when jennifer lewis says like and dolomite himself I'm like god that is rudy raymond and it, it really is him isabel samford's in it mm-hmm. mary wilson from the supremes richard lawson beyonce's stepdaddy mm-hmm. ronaldo ray a comedian i like but it just keeps on going patty austin charles barkley diane carroll eddie cibrian jackie collins don corn don cornelius and these cameos are not just like we see their face. Like they're actually talking yeah. about Jackie Washington. So, or some of them are playing characters too. Or they're playing characters. But Joe jo Beth Williams. These aren't just like pulled, you know, like like stock footage of these people. They're actually talking about Jackie Washington. Um, Taylor Dane, Melissa Etheridge, Kathy Griffin, Sean Hayes, Ricky Lake, Howie Mandel, Cameron Mannheim's in it. She's funny. Penny Marshall has one of the funniest lines to me. Mm-hmm. Um but Bed Midler, who we know Jennifer Lewis had a working relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, Liza Minnelli's in it in a very funny moment. Mm-hmm. Rosie O'Donnell, Dolly Parton, mm-hmm. Chris Rock. Donna Pascal from Saturday Night Fever. Eva Marie Saint. Oscar winner, yeah. I don't know who Grace Slick is. Uh, Jefferson Airplane, Jefferson Starship. Don't oh. you want somebody to love? Uh, Bruce Valanche. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Dolly Parton is in this movie and she has... I mean, she's in it a few times mm-hmm. talking about Jackie Washington. Mm-hmm. I think Diane Carroll's pretty fun too. Yeah. But I'll just go through my notes. So one of the funniest moments to me is when Penny Marshall is being asked about Jackie Washington and her comeback. And Penny Marshall says, um, was she somewhere to come back to? Like, <laughs> come back to what? That's a very got to be real line. Yes. Okay. The songs. So a lot of this character's work is a play on stuff that's like already popular. So Mm -hmm. like yield, yield, yield uh, before you hit me with your love. 
She has a song called Eye on the Motherland or Cleveland. Wednesday Night Fever, Take Your Jerry Curl and Go. Uh, one of her bigger songs is from that movie or from a movie called Stacked Sister. It's called Love Goddess. Starring Raquel Welch. Yeah, and we see her perform it at like some award show. The Oscars. Then she, the one movie you referenced with Rudy Ray Moore, that movie's called uh, Whipped Cream, Coco's Revenge. <laughs> she has a song called Coco's Theme. Which is also a play probably on Lady Coco with Lola Falana. Her big... Her big song is Look at Me, which she performs at oh, the Oh, that's o- the one, yes. Where she performs at the Oscars. And one of the lyrics to the song Look at Me is My love for you has only made me love me more. <laughs> she, has a, she has an album called Sookie Sookie Mama, Boogie Ball, Working on My Last Working Nerve. Working on My Last Nerve. <laughs> Tore Up from the Floor Up, Live from Compton, all her greatest hits. <laughs> so um, I read Jennifer Lewis's autobiography. Which was, for people who are familiar with Jennifer Lewis, you know that she's a lot. Like, she's she's a character actor for a reason. I liken her to Elaine Stritch. Oh, it's just, she's loud and she takes up a lot of space. Even reading her book was exhausting. Uh-huh. Because it's just every paragraph is a lot well listening to her on rupaul's podcast oh my god yeah if you uh i forget what oh rupaul used to have a podcast with michelle visage called what's the tea and if you want a headache listen to the jennifer lewis episode even rupaul has to tell her a few times like you need to slow down and Mm -hmm. calm down but um so yeah so i'm very familiar with her i read her book i i've watched i mean she's in so many classic black films Mm -hmm. she's often the mom or the auntie we reviewed, I mean, she's uh, Juana Man's auntie, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but um, Poetic Justice, we are, yeah. Boys in the Hood. Oh, so many things. But we also know that the drag queen Shangela used to live with Jennifer Lewis. When Shangela first came to L.A., he lived with her. And there's actually like a YouTube series about the two of them mm-hmm. living together. But um, if you know Shangela and you don't know Jennifer Lewis, you need to watch Jennifer Lewis because you'll realize that Shangela, that drag character, is Jennifer Lewis. She's she's borrowed that template. Like yeah, she's she literally just doing a Jennifer Lewis mm-hmm. impersonation. And I think Shangela did Jennifer Lewis on Snatch Game. She did one, I think. And it was, I mean, she's she is exactly like Jennifer Lewis. Jennifer Lewis. Uh, it's funny. Jennifer Lewis was also always like painted as older or like portrayed as older than she was. Cause even in Jackie's back, she's only 42. She looks fantastic. She looks great. But the way she's playing it, you would think she's in her fifties. Yes. And yeah. Taylor Dane makes some kind of comment about back when she knew her, she was in her fifties. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> like what? She's not even in her fifties. Yeah, girl. Uh, Bette Midler uh, talks about Jackie saying that <laughs> She was so offended by Jackie because one because she told her that all white people smell like wet potato chips. So she doesn't hug them. <laughs> so she doesn't hug them. So the most famous line from this movie, I would say, is Jackie's daughter's name is Entendre. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment when Jackie tells Entendre, Mama needs her cough medicine and make it a double Entendre. <laughs> <laughs> of course, saying she wants an alcoholic beverage. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my gosh. David Hyde Pierce plays the piano. Mm-hmm. The deaf pianist. The deaf pianist who's performing at her fi- her comeback concert. And he's funny. He's really cute, actually. She tells him to be more black. <laughs> which means he interjects things like, oh, girl. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so we find out she was married four times, but she doesn't want to talk about any of them. We only see one of them. 
which is Richard Lawson, who's a basketball player. Who she stabbed with a hair pick. Which is very like left eye TLC burn the house down because she, yeah. So now, so he had to drop out of the NBA because he couldn't walk straight or something. But we found out her third husband was gay. <laughs> I think one of my favorite scenes with Loretta Devine. Oh my God. Loretta Devine, first of all, has on like a Baps wig. Yeah, that does look like Baps. Halle Berry and Baps. Yep. All these kids running around talking about how, like, all the things Jackie's done for her, including buying her a, a refrigerator. But she wants a refrigerator with a, like, an ice machine. Mm -hmm. And then she's talking about, I hear her music on the radio. All, you know, every time her music gets, every time a song is played, she gets a check. All she has to do is give me one check and I can get me a refrigerator with an ice machine. <laughs> yeah, she seems manic on the, on, the, on the point of breaking down, but she's got all these kids. Oh. And they are being raggedy. Loretta's very funny in this. Yeah. Liza Minnelli. Is... They were they were in dry cleaning together. Oh, oh, yeah. that's right. Mm -hmm. That's a movie I thought I should make a secret film. Actually, um, Liza is really funny because she talks about having these like dinner parties, and one time Jackie Washington showed up and would sing and started singing and singing and, and singing, singing and wouldn't stop singing. And then she's like, "My Oscar." end up go going missing mm -hmm. and then we find out that jackie has it as but she's saying that as a doorstop but she's saying liza gave it to her but the liza moment is funny because she's saying yeah when i went to hug her she gave me this very stiff-armed <laughs> hug and you know i'm really not up on the culture and i don't know what these african-american and then you can tell they that cut they it. cut it like <laughs> like she probably says something racist and so the <laughs> that was very funny then we go to Jackie's, because no one likes Jackie Washington. Tim Curry's telling her, like, no one wants to talk to us about you. And when they do, they're talking shit. So Jackie says, well, why don't you go back to my hometown? Because everyone loves me back in Kinlock, Missouri. She goes, talk to those people. Talk to those people. They all love me. So, and that's when we find out that Jackie Washington Day is in Kinlock, Missouri, and it's July 15th. Mm -hmm. So they go back to Kinlock and... <laughs> Tim Curry, and as, as soon as Tim Curry and Jackie Washington and Entendre get onto her block, these kids run up to her and they mistake her for Michelle Nichols. They're like, Star Are you Star She goes, Do I look like a hura? And they go, Yeah. <laughs> she goes, Go go ask your mamas who I am. Go ask your mamas. They know. And then she goes back to her play mama's house, played by <laughs> Isabel, Isabel Sanford. And Isabel goes off on her. She is also her a nasty little girl. And She's also so far away. And she's screaming at her. And then from across the yard. And you know, Tim Curry's there and she's like, and don't bring that white man in my yard. You know they smell like wet potato chips. <laughs> oh, oh. Um so the um oh, speaking of the play mama, after she goes off on her, Jackie's trying to explain to Tim Curry, like, well, you know, she's as crazy as a road lizard. <laughs> What she goes, I heard she lost her mind. Another thing Jackie likes to tell people is that her great-great-grandmother and grandfather were slaves belonging to George Washington. <laughs> like, that's her claim to fame. Oh, yeah. The, I, Whoopi is her uh, older, angry, bitter sister. Bitter. Very bitter. <laughs> and Jackie paid for her to go to nursing school. And she acknowledges this. So, so, so she acknowledges that, but she's mad. But she's like, it, I, I hate to say this, but every Jackie Washington day it rains. <laughs> <laughs> so when we finally get into the theater to start rehearsing, Jackie's costume designer is this gay man who's a drag queen named Kim. Yeah. Who's really funny. And then 
her rehearsing like love goddess she needs like four muscly men to play like egyptian gods carrying her on her whatever mm -hmm. throne and then we get these four like skinny nerdy looking guys she's like who are these little boys who are these little boys and they all look scared of her and then she's like the lighting's not right and she's telling the lighting people like i need those bastard amber lights on stage and she's so dramatic i think jennifer lewis as jackie washington is doing an impersonation of faye dunaway as joan Crawford. oh it's very in that same it's vein very, it's very bad oh yes i i think i think if you like mommy dearest if, if you find mommy dearest funny you would find jackie's back funny and then tim curry's asking everybody about if she's a diva and Diane Carroll goes diva was a word made up by some gay man <laughs> <laughs> which you know is the best uh uh ex explanation of that word I think I've ever heard then we find out like sort of back when her popularity was failing like in the 80s she or the 90s I, I don't know when but Jackie Washington made a line of hair relaxer oh, yeah. that she was telling people you could eat because it was but, made with like pickle juice. Because there's pickle juice in it, but it was making people sick and like it made Dolly Parton's dog sick or something. So Dolly Parton's suing her. And <laughs> but then we get a scene where Jackie's like, yeah, that was a really hard time in my career. I think I might still have a couple of jars on a, shelf. on a shelf somewhere. And then she opens up like there's an entire spare bedroom filled with cases of this relaxer. And then she goes to taste it <laughs> and it like burns her mouth. Then every time we see Shaniqua, her estranged daughter, she is so mad. Yep. And she refers to her mother's house as a tower of lies. <laughs> and and Shaniqua has a kid, and uh the kid's like, Are you talking about grandma again? She's like, Don't call her that. Don't catch her on film calling her that. Oh yeah, and then he calls her the so little boy has to call his grandma Jackie. <laughs> then one of her husband's peaches. <laughs> Pe Peaches Yancey. Peaches Yancey, who was known for eating anything. And then we get a picture of him smiling with food in his teeth. We find out that he died from eating salmon patties from a vending machine. And isn't that Shanique was like, but mama told me, don't you ever eat with Peaches. He'll eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> what? So at the theater on the, on the day she's supposed to give her comeback tour, everything goes wrong. We find out that her Cameron Mannheim, for some reason, sends her like a telegram saying that her manager stole all of her money <laughs> and then when Shaniqua finds out she goes again yeah <laughs> oh my gosh um that's all I have um I think this so I I, I think it's a, a, a the the writing is very strong comedically it's funny I think to get all of these people in it you get, and they're all funny and you get patty austin singing a gospel song at a funeral at a funeral yeah i mean it's just it's pretty remarkable and it's probably a testament to how much uh people love jennifer lewis well robert townsend has been around you know because i'm sure they were able to get all these people on the strength of jennifer lewis and the impression she made right because Penny Marshall directed Jennifer Lewis in a, a movie. Mm -hmm. So she agreed to do it. Um, after reading her book, and I, I read her book after I'd watched this movie. So I so there's a story about each and every one of these people. So in, at some point in her career, she interacted with some of these people more than others. Sure. Like she has a much closer relationship to Bette Midler, who she used to sing backup with. Mm -hmm. So getting Bette Midler on, of course, is was less difficult. But yeah. It's really, really impressive. 
what's sad is she, I mean, she got nominated for what, like a black reel award. Like, I don't know, like it's just a, a, also a testament to how ignored and overlooked I think she was. If I had a new Beverly type situation, like Quentin Tarantino, I would definitely screen. This would be like how he likes to show showgirls and mm -hmm. shit. And of course he likes to show his own movies a lot. This would definitely be one that would be a regular, mm -hmm. like it's, it's so funny to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's surprising to learn it. It was a lifetime movie. Yeah. I mean, I don't it's know. two hours long and it clips by. I mean, all of her scenes with Tim Curry are. Oh my God. Tim Curry is so bitchy. Just all the looks. <laughs> Every time she says something, he looks at the camera and smirks like, yeah, right. <laughs> and then at one point towards the end, she's like, cause at first she thinks that he's um, like, he doesn't like her. Mm -hmm. And then she starts to sort of say like, I know you find me attractive. And then at a point you think, because at one point he reacts to her in a way that, like he's trying to tell her something. So I always assume like, oh, he's trying to tell her he's gay. But then in the end, in the credits, you see that um, they got married, which doesn't mean he's not gay because she true. didn't marry a gay man. This is true. But what is Wanda Sykes saying? Monster in law. Let's marry a gay man again. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. So what would you give this movie? I give it a four. Yeah. Uh, it's very much my flavor. I, I think it's a perfect film for my taste. So I'm definitely giving it five out of five. There's nothing about it that I think could have been done better. Um, God, you know, the, uh, you know, most of these people are still around. Robert Townsend's still around. Je Jennifer Lewis is still around. What about a sequel? Man. Well, and then I, I think this is also a perfect film because it's the perfect use of this actor because yeah. Jennifer Lewis is so such a strong flavor. Well, you can just let her rip. That the only way you could really temper her is to have her in a film where there are, like there's so much star power that somehow it all works. Mm -hmm. No one's, I mean, that's the other thing. No one's trying to one-up each other because they're never in the same scene. Right. It's all just, all these names we mentioned, they're all by themselves talking like documentary style. So no one's competing with anyone there. Everyone is funny. All mm -hmm. the writing is funny. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. Um, yeah. Somebody, somebody needs to do, uh, uh, fund a, a sequel to this. Yeah. What do we have going on this week? Oh my God. It's a very busy week. Yeah. I see something every night until Friday. Well, I know I'm seeing, well, there's Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer Barbie, Barbie, Talk to Me, Talk to Me, The Beanie Bubble Invasion, or whatever that shit's called. I see tomorrow, and then tomorrow I might go to the roast of Flame Monroe uh, at the Laugh Factory in Hollywood. Um, maybe I don't know. I've only ever been there once, and it was kind of like, I mean, in general, comedy clubs are a little stressful because it's like there's rarely seating and there's always like a two drink minimum mm -hmm. and they're very aggressive. Like mm -hmm. you can't just sit there and it's like, well, I also can't keep drinking all night long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it is close enough uh, that I could easily Uber over there, but we'll see if I end up going. Okay. We have a couple of screeners to watch. Yeah. Cobweb. Uh, they clone Tyrone. I got to watch today. Yeah. Anyhow. Oh, um, I finished reading Poor Things. Oh, okay. Which um, is about to be released in September by uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. 
which was very interesting. I cannot wait to see what he's done with that. I, I did. I did enjoy it. I would recommend reading it because it's kind of a Frankenstein story, but very oh. interesting. Well, do you have anything else you want to share? No. All right. Ta-ta. Ha <laughs> ha